also would like to give uh, God praise as we've done, but also acknowledge the leadership of the Mother Church, the church as a whole, from international through uh, the national to the district, um, that uh, women are being recognized and celebrated today. We say God bless them for that. The other thing um, also that I would uh, uh, greatly uh, want to touch on is acknowledge two people. Uh, Mrs. Cynthia Ajemai and uh, Mrs. Gifty Otim, both thicknesses. If you don't mind, please stand up for me. Please stand up for me. Please stand up for me. So we had a district women's ministry quiz, Bible quiz, Bible trivia yesterday. And uh, most of the information given were last minute, but these gallant women of God rose to the challenge represented PIWC and won, for that matter, the first and the second place at the district level. And I just want you to just, you know, stretch your hand towards them and then just bless them, you know, that God will replenish, you know, the time, the effort, the dedication that they have put into studying his word and doing his work. Because the Bible has said that, you know, whatever we do, you know, we will receive a reward on it. And I just want to acknowledge them greatly because, you know, it's not easy, please take a seat, it's not easy combining homework plus ministry, but they did it so effortlessly and then rose up to the challenge and also represented PRWC well, because we won. So, God bless you. Amen. Also, whilst we're on the topic of acknowledgements, and let's get this out of the way, you all know we'll do this we will raise funds. I am going to put mine in the bowl. Let's not have a long conversation about why Christians need to offer to God. So I'll bring this here. I will put mine in. And then we will do likewise. Those who, who give electronically will give electronically. And those who will give physically, it is there to give. Because the Bible has said, if you sow, you will reap. And this is to the work of God. Amen. And so please, let's give to support the women's ministry. Amen. Now that we have gotten all of that out of the way, we can concentrate on the word of God. So for this year, uh, the international theme for the Church of Pentecost has been revived to possess the nations. A glorious church revived to possess the nations. And for women's ministry uh, week this week, uh, the theme that we were given was sanctified and revived to possess the nations. And so today what we'll be discussing on, sanctified and revived. Shall we share a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. 
Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be Presenting ourselves before you, O oh God, longing for your presence. The Lord, you will flood this place, take over our hearts and our minds. We desperately, Lord, long for your presence to feel your power and compass around us, O oh God. Let your presence fall. Let your presence fall, O God. Let your presence fall. In Jesus' name, amen.
revived and sanctified. Or sanctified and revived. If anyone has been, you know, paying attention to everything that's been happening in the world, uh, we know that there is a desperate need for revival. It's a desperate need for revival. And this year, we've heard various messages on revival because, you know, it's the core um, focus of the, the theme um, for uh, the church this year. We've heard a lot of messages on revival. You know, we even did a week-long program uh, with Apostle Amponsa on revival. And today, we are talking again about revival. So, in... Um, uh, I guess church since, I mean, Church of Pentecost is the only church that I've really known the, uh, um, extensively, so I guess I'll use us as an example. But we've uh, misunderstood the term revival. You know, whenever we hold any week-long program, guess what we call it? Revival. And so we've lo- the revival has lost its meaning sometimes because we've used it so much for almost every program we have. Even if it's not a revival, we call it a revival. So what it then is a revival? Oh, before I made the note, let me add this in. Please, you know, I wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so don't hate me. So when we say, you know, revival, you know, the week-long program that, you know, only 30% of us participate, that is not what we are referring to. That is not the, a revival. So what then is a revival? You know, again, when you ask Google, Google will tell you revival is, you know, a reawakening, a renewal, a rejuvenation, bringing back to life, you know, bringing something that was old back uh, new again, you know, revival. But then, this morning, I'd like to challenge our thinking on that meaning. What I would like for us to understand revival as the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God. How about you repeat it after me? The manifest presence of God. Oh, you can say it better. The manifest presence of God. Because, you know, when the presence of God is there on anything or on anyone, there will be a reawakening. There will be a renewal. There will be a rejuvenation. You know, all the risks that you can add. So, the manifest presence of God, which I think encompasses the whole scope of what a revival is supposed to be. So, let me put some uh, historical context here. Back, back, back in the 1700s. Most of us Ghanaians will know uh, the Methodist Church and John Wesley who founded the Methodist Church. Back, back, back in the 1700s, um, John Wesley was involved in a revival in the United Kingdom. And this man uh, was a minister. He was sent from the UK to the US to be a missionary 
to the Indians, the Native Americans, no uh, better uh, word. And so he came and he failed miserably because he really did not understand what he was doing. He didn't understand well his Christianity. So on his boat ride back to the UK, he met these uh, uh, Moravians and he got to speaking with them. And then they started bringing his mind to understanding correctly Christianity, amen. And so John Wesley you know, went and devoted himself now into studying the word and to praying and then was involved in the biggest modern-day revival of our time, where he would preach in a park, and 3,000 people would come to know Christ. And not just that, it was spreading. So the person comes, they know Christ, and then their behavior is so transformed and is so changed that then they also bring others to Christ and also bring others to Christ and also bring others to Christ. To the point where uh, they used to mine um, coal, that the miners would meet and do Bible study before they would go into the tunnels and underground. So, John Wesley, great big revivalist. So now we bring it to uh, the U.S. and then um, in the uh, present day, I should say, present day, in 1940s, this American professor took some Bible students to the U.S., I mean to the U.K., to go visit John Wesley's home. And so they were touring his kitchen, his bedroom, and they got to his bedroom, and they noticed that next to his bed were two worn-out patches. And so the professor, or the tour guide, explained that those worn-out patches were where John Wesley would plant his knees and pray for hours on end that God should bring a revival. It wasn't minutes, you know, hours on end that God should bring a revival. And so, you know, they toured the home, they, they got on the bus. And then this professor, his name is Erwin War, or noticed that one of his students was not on the bus. So they looked around, it's like, okay, let's go back and check uh, the building to see if the student is there. So he enters the building again, and he hears someone is praying and crying. And so he, you know, tiptoes slowly just to see what's not to disturb the person. And he hears the person praying and saying, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again and do it with me. So this person had planted his knees in the same markings as John Wesley and was praying that God do this revival again and do it with me. And that person was Billy Graham. Amen. And we all know what impact Billy Graham has impacted Christianity. So that is the kind of revival we are talking about. Revival that starts with you and then affects generations and affects multitudes. And I'm praying that this morning we would also be of that same mindset. That Lord you will do it again, you will do it again, and that you will do it 
with me. Revival. The manifest presence of God. So in our time, or as if you like to speak, uh, Bible speak in our dispensation, you know, that's how you know that you've read some of theological books. So in our present time or in our dispensation, you know, the Holy Spirit is operational. You know, we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so during Old Testament times, it was God the Father was the manifestation or the manifest presence you know, of the Godhead was God the Father. Jesus in the New Testament was the manifest presence of God. And in our time is the Holy Spirit. And so the relationship that we have with Jesus or we have with God is through the Holy Spirit. Because when you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. And then that is how you experience God. Because as we speak now, the Bible has said it, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so the only way you have Jesus in your heart is through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So your relationship with the Holy Spirit is what determines how much of God you experience today. Because, you know, Jesus is not going to walk through the doors again. Or, you know, God the Father, as how he appeared, you know, through, um, uh, through the Old Testament, is not going to, you know, appear that again. Even if he does, it will be through the Holy Spirit. So if there is no relationship with the Holy Spirit, there is no experienced relationship with God the Father or Jesus the Son. Amen. And so, Jemima, you have the um, memory verses if we can, you know, open to Acts. Um, let's read Acts 1 8. Okay. So, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the world. Amen. So follow that in the back of your head. We'll come to that. So sometimes our problem, you know, in this world today is that we do not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If we will all be honest with ourselves, it's true. Um, and when Jesus was leaving, you know, John 14, 16, um, let's read that to Jemima, if you don't mind. John 14, 16. And it says that, you know, Jesus was telling his disciples that it is to your advantage that I go, you know, telling them about how he was going to be leaving them. And that when I go... I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And then there are some translations, you know, there are another helper. And if you want to be a Bible nerd, sometimes, you know, uh, looking at um, amplified versions or correspondence Bibles, just to kind of get a sense of what they really mean, what words uh, was used in the Greek text. So the another helper in Greek uh, is called Alos 
parakletos, which means another of the same kind. Just so that Jesus was uh, reassuring his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not that the Holy Spirit is a lesser version. He is the same as Jesus, another of the same kind. And so, as we have just read, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, you receive the power. Um, any attribute of the Father, you know, any attribute of Jesus when he was on earth, now becomes available to you through the Holy Spirit. It's a good place to say amen. So just as the Father wanted to reveal himself in the Old Testament, as Jesus also you know, tried to reveal himself in the New Testament, in 2021, the Holy Spirit is present so that we can experience the full presence of God amongst us. Amen. So when you accept Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. And then you experience God through your relationship with the Holy Spirit. As Pentecostals, you know, again, being a Pentecostal, we have emphasized some workings of the Holy Spirit to the detriment of others, if we'll be honest with ourselves. You know, we like, you know, the people falling under the anointing, the crying and the screams. So to the point that sometimes he almost appears spooky. So non-Pentecostals almost are afraid of the Holy Spirit because, you know, nobody wants to be, you know, the dancing and then there's crying and then they're falling and all of that. And so, you know, sometimes we make the Holy Spirit like, oh, you know, because we call him, you know, the Holy Ghost, although he's not a ghost, you know, he's represented by dove, you know, you see our Pentecost, we have the doves everywhere. You know, sometimes, you know, he's the wind, although he did come as a mighty Russian wind, you know, sometimes with the tongues of fire, you know, it's like he is the fire, although, you know, he came as that, but he is a man. You know, the Holy Spirit is not spooky. You know, you can have a relationship just like God wanted to have a relationship with us in the Garden of Eden, just as when Jesus came to reconcile us to God through him. Same thing, the Holy Spirit is here to hold us together in relationship with God. So you can, you know, have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and experience him daily. Amen. So he is the third person of the Trinity. Not again, as I mentioned before, not because he is inferior or in third place, but because he is the last of the Godhead to be revealed. Amen. So in the same manner, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, his presence must be manifest. And so when you are manifesting the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, that is when you are going through a revival. So when we come to church and the presence of God is manifested, then we can say we are going through a revival or we have been revived. Amen. So we confuse ourselves sometimes 
You know, that again, you know, when the cry, the emotions, you know, when we experience the emotions, that's only when, you know, you're feeling the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you want the goosebumps, that's when you know that, yes, you know, the Holy Spirit has touched me. Or, you know, you want to cry. This is a joke. Uh, well, not a joke. It actually happened when we were younger. We had just graduated um, high school, so I was uh, around 16, 17. I have this cousin. Uh, she now has a YouTube page, uh, Rebecca. She's very funny. And so her goal at that time was to fall, you know, have the ministers touch her so that she will experience what it's like to fall. And we lived, you know, in an apostle's house. And so, you know, every day we'll have a church meeting to go to. And when we go, she will stand like, oh, everyone come, she'll be there. You know, just, Lord, take me, let me fall. Lord, take me, let me fall. So sometimes, you know, we are curious, like, well, how is it like, you know, to experience the overwhelming feeling of the Holy Spirit to fall under the anointing? But that is not only what the Holy Spirit is limited to. Amen. So let us not limit the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit just by our emotions. So that when you come to church and then you don't feel the goosebumps, you're like, oh, today I didn't feel the Holy Spirit. Oh, today the Holy Spirit wasn't present. No. Experiencing the presence of God with you that is how you know. And how do we experience this presence? You know, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, once you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, and he said, how does he manifest himself, himself in your life is by you bearing fruit. And so he has given us the fruit of the Spirit. You know, that all the power, the grandeur, the authority of God is at your disposal. And then the Holy Spirit, you know, he manifests himself and his work in your life by the fruits, by the fruit of the Spirit. So that, you know, someone who was rash and abrasive now becomes gentle. You know, someone who is impulsive now exhibits self-control. And someone, you know, who is impatient now becomes patient. And if you are mean, you know, spirited and, uh, uh, you know, wicked, you know, it's a strong word. But then now you exhibit kindness. And that the sorrowful person now has joy. And just like our elder Sam preached last week, that, you know, through the raging storms, you are going through life's blenders, turning you upside down, but then you exhibit peace because you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, because the manifest presence of God in your life. Amen. And so in an incidence or like in an encounter where you encounter someone who is cantankerous, you know, someone, you know, who is testing your patience, but because of the Holy Spirit that is manifesting in your life and because you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you keep your calm, you keep your cool because not the Holy Spirit is not there for you to speak in tongues. No, it's not only there so that 
that you will shout and cry under the anointing, but that you will bear fruit and manifest his presence in your life. And how you do that is by being changed and by being transformed. Can I get a big amen? And so that is how you experience your own personal revival, bearing the fruits of the presence of God in your life. And so same way as you are bearing fruit, you know, personally, then the public show of it becomes the giftings of the Holy Spirit that he gives unto you. And so the gifts of the spirit as we've all walked through. And you know, this is again, a little controversial. I'll say it and then I'll leave it there. That, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, uh, people, you know, with anointing and all of that. If you're not bearing the fruit that shows the presence of God or the manifest presence of God in your life, how then can you also show the gifting? And under what power is the gifting working? So, he gives us the fruit and we manifest it so that people know that there is the presence of God in our lives. So, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, then you can manifesting, then you also have the presence of God, you know, the presence of God in you, also you. What do I mean by that? That you you are walking and people just know you're different because you're manifesting the presence of God. And so some people just look at you like, yeah, you know, there's something about you. I can't, I I don't know, but there's something about you. Or you just go and then the atmosphere is different. You are in your workplace and people watch how they speak because you are there. You enter a room and there's just like, there's a shift in the atmosphere because you are manifesting the presence of God in you and so now it is showing to the world and so then you go in and then you get a job that you didn't even apply for or doors begin to open for you that you didn't even know existed because as you manifest the presence of God you also now manifest the presence of God on you and then in you and so when you are doing this show the presence of God on you. That's what we like to call favor. You know, the presence of God on you, where, you know, things are happening and like, you know, how is this happening? You know, you walk into a room and then it's just again, who is this person? And, you know, they're not really going to say, because again, America is fast becoming secular, so they don't really say, oh, you know, there's, this person must be, so like, oh, there's something different about this person. And if we all know at our workplaces, we get that. It's like, oh, you're different. There's something about you. Because you are manifesting the presence of God in you and also the presence of God on you. Amen. And so, when you walk into a room, people should get the public demonstration of Jesus. So that the words you say, your integrity, your character, the way you handle situations, the choices you make, you know, how you make the love of Christ known to even difficult people because there are some people who will test your Christianity. But how you manifest, how you react in all those situations makes it clear and makes it 
evident that you are indeed manifesting the presence of God. And all of this, you know, as in Zechariah, I'll take it out of context a little, it's not by might, you know, it's not by, because if you just leave it up to your character, you will snap. You might be the most gentle person, but they will push the right button for you to snap. You might be, you know, the most long-suffering person or the kindest person. You can't do it out of your own character. And so that's why Zechariah 4, 6 says that it's not by might, nor is it by power, but by my spirit. Amen. So favor, you know, God's presence on your life. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have favor. So, you know, it's not like you have to, you know, uh, uh, do anything special to gain the favor of God. Favor is God's presence on your life. And so if the Holy Spirit is in you and you're manifesting the presence of God, then you also have favor. Amen. So imagine, you know, if each one of us here, you know, we will be manifesting the presence of God on our own, individually. You know, we are bearing the fruits. We are exhibiting, you know, all the giftings. Imagine when we come together, bring all our manifestations together. Imagine how wonderful that will be. So, Let's look at Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, again, if you're a true Pentecostal, you know this because that is, you know, the basis of our whole, you know, well, not the basis of the everything, but still, close there. Acts chapter 2. And so, Jemima, if you're there, let's do Acts chapter 2, 1. Uh, one to four. Let's do Acts chapter two, one to four. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So every single one of them there was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a collective. So it wasn't that, okay, you know, one person got it and then one person, you know, was trying to get it but wasn't getting it. Every single person. So if we as a whole, as a collective body, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so... For the sake of time, we won't read this, but Acts 2, 14 to 40, gives the account of Peter as he stood to minister to over 3,000 people to come to the saving knowledge of God. We all remember Peter. You know, he denied Jesus, said to a little girl for that matter, I never met him, I never, I don't even know what you're talking about. Who, Jesus, what? Where is he from? 
But then the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter, and then now he is bearing a fruit that is different. So that cowardly Peter now stands in boldness to address a crowd of thousands for them to be saved, manifesting the presence of God. Amen. And so when we go now to Acts 2, 42 to 47, you know, that gives us a look at the effects of corporate revival. It says, and they continued steadfastly with the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. If you know you have your Bible, you can underline that, you know, they continued steadfastly. So it's not like they did it one day and then didn't do it the other day. Steadfastly continued in the doctrine, you know, in the teachings of the apostles, in the fellowship, which is extremely important. You know, the Bible has said that do not neglect the fellowship or the assembly of the brethren. Because sometimes we're like, oh, we have Zoom, we can just stay at home. But there is something that rejuvenates you when you are in fellowship with others. Amen. In breaking of bread and in prayers. Let's continue. Then fear, oh, if you could go back, uh then fear came uh upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to them. So they were in peace, in harmony, in one accord, and the Lord added to their number daily the effects of corporate revival, which can only happen if we individually are experiencing our own revival. Amen. So, one thing that invites the presence of God, now that we've extensively looked at the presence of God, how we man, uh, the manifest presence of God, one thing that invites the presence of God on our life is holiness. You know, and then... If to my life you have Ephesians 5.27... That he might, so this is Ephesians 5.27, that he might present her to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without 
blemish. One thing that invites the presence of God on your life is holiness. As Hebrews 12, 1 has says, decide to lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily entangles and run with endurance the race. You can, you know, blast all the tongues, you know, bind and loose and break for hours on end. But if your lifestyle doesn't glorify God, you know, if your lifestyle, you know, you're still iffy, you're walking a very glorifying line, then the enemy will still make room in your life. So you got you to gotta live holy. You've got to live holy. You have to have integrity and character. Be the same, you know, in the dark versus in the light. Have to be the same person at church right now, you know, and tomorrow morning still be the same person, you know, all through the week still be the same person. Your life has to align with the truths in the Bible. And to that extent, you know, that you're willing to walk and to align that is the extent to which you will see the manifested presence of God in your life. So, in one big nutshell with a beautiful bowl, you cannot be revived without being sanctified. And sanctification will lead to revival. Shout a big amen. amen. You know, again, you know, this is a nice little thing there. As I'm reading it now, you know, it's coming to me because, again, I was just making notes, you know, again. But, yeah, you cannot be revived without being sanctified. And sanctification, once you're sanctified, will lead to revival. So, it is time, and I think everyone will agree, that we experience the manifest presence of God. It is time that we fellowship with the Holy Spirit personally and so that when we come into church, you know, the combination of each and our, uh, each of our um, experience, each of our, our revival, you know, will let us experience the supernatural. Amen. So we have to yearn for a revival sincerely. You know, just as Billy Graham did. You know, just as, you know, that he knelt in the same spot, you know, as John Wesley and prayed to God, the Lord do it again. Do it again, God. Do it again. And do it with me. I hope that that will be your prayer as it is mine this morning that the Lord will start a revival again in his church. That we will manifest his presence not just here but everywhere we go and so that collectively we will show forth a glorious church to the world. Amen. Shall we be on our feet even as we pray? The word of God has come this morning. The revival is the manifest presence of God. That we need to manifest God that is in us. So that we are not hiding his workings in us, but showing forth to the world. You know, everyone would have received this word differently. Because each of us, each of us are in a different situation of life.
So I want you to pray sincerely this morning, asking God that God may you manifest your presence in me. Manifest your presence in me. Manifest, oh God, your presence in me. Rejuvenate and reawaken me, oh God, as your presence comes upon me this evening, this afternoon. Lord, manifest your presence in me. Lord, manifest your presence in me. Reawaken me, oh God. Rejuvenate me, oh God. Rejuvenate me, oh God. Your presence is what we are longing for. Your presence is what we are longing for, oh God, that we will manifest your presence, my Lord and my God, that Lord, wherever we go, we will be seen, oh God, as bearing fruits because of your presence that is showing forth in our lives. That is what we are praying, oh God, that Lord, your presence will manifest Manifest, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that Lord, we will not just attribute the Holy Spirit to just mere emotions, but Lord, daily we will experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, oh God, in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray, my Lord and my God, the Holy Spirit, wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, my Lord, we will manifest 